0: hasn't stopped raining for days world is a flood this is Cuban. this is caleb welcome to life i a podcast where we look into our past to discover our present
1: welcome to the podcast everybody um this is an extra one that we weren't particularly thinking about doing um but when we were chatting with Lem earlier today we were going to talk tonight and Lem said do you guys just want to do this as an episode and w- and we've been talking about it I'm like yeah let's just record an episode so <laughs> we have Lem on um last week we had uh Tim and uh for the first time ever we have edited <laughs> a show <laughs> and that's because <laughs> I accidentally stopped um, recording in the middle of it. And then like I hit the pause on the zoom. And so there were like two audio files that we had to put together. So, um, uh, Lem was gracious enough to help us edit the show for the very first time. So, um, we say we never edit the show. We've now <laughs> lied to you. We had to stitch two pieces of audio yeah, together. Yeah. yeah. I mean,
0: rules are meant to be
1: broken. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Never, never, if you ever make a hard, fast rule for yourself at some point you should break it. Um, well, depending on what the rule is, uh, anyway, um, Lem, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. You and I went, uh, we were in the same class together. All three of us on here are Davao kids, which this is like another right. Davao kids episode. Mm. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Sure. Um, I'm just going to start with saying, I'm glad that I, uh, was the first one that questions the integrity of this of this episode, yeah. Um, you're a, <laughs> so, you're, a, you're a man with tough questions. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks for letting <laughs> me contribute in that way. <laughs> but yeah, I I was an MK from the Davao years, so I, I came in in seventh grade. So I was in the same class as Caleb and Cumin was in a grade above me. So we had some good adventures over in Davao, uh, which is probably some of the some of the fondest years i i look back on and mm-hmm. as a as an adult now and and having that experience so yeah it is it, it's 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 a little different because like my my life was uh primarily in the states up till that point um so we became we became missionaries when i was 12 and we moved out to davao and so i got i got a good taste of the california living um in the bay area up until that point. And so, yeah, when my parents decided to become missionaries and they were telling us we were moving to the Philippines, it was, it was kind of a, it was kind of a, a shock. Um, and it was, it was, a li- it was pretty hard. I think we looking back on those days, me and my siblings, we definitely gave, gave my parents a hard time for, for moving us away from our cousins and our, our friends at school. And how can you rip us from these, this life that we had, Um, and then once we got overseas and we were getting settled in Davao, I would say, uh, within a three months time, we were, we were pretty immersed into the missionary community and we were, we were all in, we just, we just loved living out in the, in, in the Philippines. So, Mm
1: -hmm. but yeah. So the, I'm going to ask you, that was a perfect introduction. Um, And it's always helpful when you kind of give years and things like that. But like you said earlier, like there's not that many limbs that went to Faith Academy. Everyone's (laughs) going to know exactly who you are um, uh, or or possibly one of your siblings. But um, I want to thank you for for being a very active listener. And you've listened to a lot of episodes. You message me um, and say, you know, uh, with things that stuck out to you. Um, But as you were thinking about recording this episode or as you're listening to some of these other interviews what memories have been coming up for you um yeah like i said earlier it was it's been a lot
2: of of years in davao that that kind of look i look back on uh with fondness um i would say the 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 days up in in manila for high school uh were were some of the the tougher years that i had so i kind of segment my memories to that, like my MK life in Davao, and then my MK life in the Philippines and and in Manila, and they both had these. It was two different experiences, I would say, as far as social social gatherings and and life as a as a as an MK. Because I I look back on Davao and and it was just adventure after adventure, taking multiple backpacking trips into the. Into the mountains, um, going from village to village, exploring the the beautiful landscape of, of Mindanao, and then um, going kind of like to the "quote unquote" big city life in Manila, and and living in a more structured uh, you know bigger high school, uh, and it it was it was pretty tough for me to make that transition, and so yeah, I think I think as a whole everything everything shaped my life in those days to prepare me for the years upcoming. And I, I look back and, and tell myself like, Oh man, yeah, that was, that was a, a time when I learned how to do this, or that was a time that really prepped me for what life would be like, you know, traveling overseas today as an adult and stuff mm-hmm.
1: like that. So you mentioned in Davao, all the different adventures, you know, trekking through the jungle, going to remote places. Can you think of a specific memory or a specific place that you went that stuck out and that stands out yeah. to you?
2: Yeah. I, um, we went, we went, I think someone, I think, I believe it was Kenny who talked a lot about, about tubing down the Davao river. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I refer to all the time, especially here in the States. Uh, when, you know, we live, we live by a large river uh, that cuts through the city and people kayak down that or take inner tubes down that. And it's, a, uh, it's, it's mild compared to the things that we had to do in the Davao river. Um, so I just remember, you know, buying these large inner tubes that you put into like large machinery, like tractors and stuff. You would get these, these large end tubes, maybe not in tractors, but you know what I mean? Like they're not, they were, tru- the they were truck size. tires. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, we would take those things uh, and we would tie them to the top of these jeepneys, and there would be three or four stacked high. and And some of us would even sit inside of them, and we would go into the the mountains and drive these winding roads with cliff sides just to get upriver to to a spot that we liked to start from and to launch from. And uh, even even that was already treacherous enough. People, we had so many people sometimes that some of us would sit on the, on the hood of the, of the Mm (laughs) jeepney. And like, if you guys, I mean, you guys know how this is, right? Like they all pack everyone onto those things. uh, And it it really didn't mean safety didn't mean anything out there. It was (laughs) how many people can I get onto this thing so that I can make enough money to make the, the two hour drive out there worth it. And, um, we, we had a great time. We would, we would get to the launching spot and, uh, we would, we would, all gather and um basically start off at this one place and we we did this so often that we had like special packs made that would form around the tube and we would put our lunches and all our stuff that we would plan for the day um but one thing that really that really stuck out to me this is a little bit this is a little bit traumatizing i guess but we used to (laughs) (laughs) we would used to um tie our tubes together so we would be like in these like grouped cells of of tubes just floating down the river. Um, and some of us would tie our ankles our our hands to the tube itself so that if we fell off, we would like not lose our tube. Uh, it, it turned out to be kind of unsafe to do that with a raging river with, you know,
1: <laughs> yeah. or yeah.
2: I don't know, like four star rating or whatever you call it rapids that, you know, you can get, you can get t- tangled and tied up and sucked in pretty, pretty easily. So you, you need a little bit more freedom anyway. So I wasn't tied to that group of cell, uh, that group of tubes. And uh, there was one point where I, I hopped off onto the shore in a pretty fast current spot, but no one else did. And I thought everyone was jumping off, but no one did. So I just see my, my, my group just start floating away at a very rapid pace. And so I panicked and thought I could probably catch up to them if I jump in. Um, and so I jumped into this, raging rapid river with no flotation device whatsoever. Oh. And uh yeah, and I almost like I was I was pretty near drowning at that point because I had to go through a set of rapids um trying to keep afloat. Um but that one really stuck sticks out to me because I mean like you you really get to know yourself in that moment when like you're in a life and death situation. <laughs> <laughs> and, like so it's just me like yeah trying to keep afloat. Um and just to me whenever i got up to the surface to get some air i was just i was calling out to god just right god save me lord save me save me save me um and uh i don't know i look back and think that was that was a very scary moment yeah. um i'm very i'm very thankful that my mind went there um to lean on
1: on christ uh yeah. in in something like that so Yeah. Mm Staying calm in that moment. Super. And you're, you're a strong swimmer. You're a certified scuba diver, right? I'm not. No. Also that was a,
2: that was a pretty great thing about Davao. This is probably going to get us in trouble or some missionaries in trouble, but uh, yeah, like you didn't, you didn't have to get certified. You just come down with someone who was certified. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just go down with
1: me. It'll be fine. I was going to say, I remember (laughs) you scuba diving. Yeah. Whoopsies.
2: Yeah. And I'll (laughs) say I wasn't, I wasn't calm during that time when I was, Like I was yelling at the
1: top of my lungs about, you know,
2: like I was scared to death. Right. Um, completely panicking in that. So
1: yeah. And when you say like truck tires, they they were truck tires that had been patched like 50 times and were like, (laughs) like oblong on one side and like really small on the other side. You know, they were, they were tire. you know, inner tubes, They're not tires, they're inner tubes Mm -hmm. that, um, are unusable at that point and those are the ones we get to you know put our life in in its hands yeah
0: Yep. (laughs) yeah this is like daredevil on another level yeah
2: Yep. oh yeah the things that we things we would do we
0: played with our lives yeah
2: I was I was really thankful that no one actually drowned during Mm -hmm. during that time because it was you look back on those days and you think I think there was only like one adult that went with us, maybe two sometimes. Yeah, usually and, uh,
1: something like that. But there yeah. were the older kids, they were like, you know, freshman yeah. sophomore in high school, you know, so mm-hmm. they were older. Yeah. yeah. And we all looked out
2: for each other. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you look back and it's like, yeah, I mean, that's just how life was, and yeah. it was great and it was awesome. And I mean the Lord we were... of the Flies. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit. Mm. <laughs> A little bit. Except for the part where we were all at each other's throats. But
1: mm. I-, I remember one of the more common meals that people would bring would they would bring like hot dogs and like dough like pre-made dough Mm -hmm. um to then you'd start a fire on the side of the river and you would um uh wrap the dough around the hot you make a little like like corn dog kind of a thing exactly um and cook that up but the bag that the dough was in would (laughs) always be like punctured or like, so it was always sopping wet with like dirty Davao right. River water, yep. you know. And so you just had to cook the living crap out of it because oh, yeah. there's no way, yeah, that's safe. <laughs> it,
2: it's it's hilarious. I think, and people started getting pretty intricate with some of their meals. I think someone, I I believe someone brought a live duck with them one time. What and and let the duck float down with them, like they no. they put it on a leash and then they floated down the river, and. And then they cooked the duck at lunch.
1: Was, I believe that. Yeah, is, is that person now a serial killer is the question. Because <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is cold.
0: I mean, I don't know. Pathological.
2: I mean, that, that, I mean, a duck got one last swim before. Yeah. Before like, like, Hey,
1: Oh, you know, my life <laughs> wow. is getting better. This guy's taking me, you know, Swimming. home, you know, I must be going back to my family and wow, that's, that's, that's really dark.
0: Wow. <laughs> I mean, hey. someone was
1: going to buy that duck and eat it. So
2: might as well have been him, right?
1: No, you were supposed to bring crackers, not crackers. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. No, nice. we're moving on. <laughs> so I did want to ask though. So you were, were you, you were a boarding kid, right? You were in which year, was it freshman year you were in boarding school or no, were you in U S freshman year? I forget. Tell us about high yes. school. Run us yeah. through that.
2: Okay. So. Yeah, we we graduated from eighth grade. I don't know if that's the right term. Uh, but we we went back to the States on furlough on my, my freshman right. year. And then mm. we came back to Davao and I decided to homeschool my sophomore year. And um, because I wanted to be in Davao because mm-hmm. I loved it so much. And my and mm-hmm. like, you know, my closest friends uh ended up not going up to Faith Manila. Sorry, Caleb, mm-hmm. sorry, Keeman. And um, so I wanted to stay over in Davao yeah turns out I'm a terrible homeschooler and I I really do hate (laughs) that structure and yeah it it wasn't that I was outright failing my classes or anything like that it just was a very miserable experience going through school that way so I told I told my parents that I I really didn't want to do that and would it be okay if I flew up to Manila and go to faith there because I just i would prefer this, the structure there where it's, you know, classrooms with other students and locker rooms and all that's, you know, all the, all yeah. the stuff, organized sports,
1: mm-hmm. um, like a school.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I didn't actually board. I didn't go to boarding. Uh, I didn't go to the dorms though. Cause I had relatives. Oh, so here's another thing about, about our lives, people who people who may not know who I am, um, uh, me and my family, we're, we're all Filipino. My parents actually grew up in the Manila area and then they got married and immigrated to the States and then raised a family and got jobs and was living the American dream in the States. But then I would say, and you know, my my dad in his early 40s was kind of he was pretty unsatisfied with with life, I guess, in in America. And he really started getting the call to go into missions work. So that's why we went back as missionaries to to Faith Cat or to Davao. And it's, it's a funny thing for me to describe because we we actually were part of the SIL group and they were missionaries to Indonesia, but they were based in Davao. You guys covered all this in a previous episode.
1: No, it's good. It's good yeah. because this is season two. And, oh, okay. you know, yeah. like like some people are like, oh, I haven't listened to all season one yet. But, oh, okay. like, you know, all 20 episodes, yeah. it's like 20 hours. So we kind of have <laughs> it's to. A, it's, yeah.
2: it's funny for it was really actually I'll just a little tangent here. It was okay. really funny for me to. Hear you guys dis- or hear Caleb describe the Sil group that came in. Um, and it was, was kind of like this, yeah. yeah, we were all you know doing local missions in Davao, and then all of a sudden like this this rush of SIL Bible translators all of a sudden showed up in Davao and kind of like it infiltrated the area with, with their kind of SIL missionary culture. And uh, I was laughing because we came in like shortly after that, and I had no context. I had none of that context. Was, that was the first time I heard anything like that. And uh, I just love that I was like a part of, of something that would may have been somewhat disruptive to. To the rest of the missionaries. <laughs> uh,
1: so uh, it wasn't to the kids though. Like I said, like we all got, I mean, you know, there were like when you know Cuman and I had like six people in our class and then it like doubled in size and we had 12 or something like that, you know, when the when the Sil folks came oh, in. So man. it was it was great.
0: Yeah. And people yeah. started dating. So that was weird. Right. Oh, right. Man. Yeah. We didn't have that. We brought before. all that sin into you the community. Riff, riff. right <laughs> yeah. right. You brought all the we are uh-huh. things, we were all pure creatures. We, <laughs> didn't, we knew nothing about the opposite well, the, No,
2: the, the SIL kids were just very desirable people.
0: Yeah, that's what yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. of course, sure. of course. Uh, You're very exotic, I, go ahead. But I will say
2: that um, it was funny because I would tell people like, yes, I am Filipino by blood, but I grew up in the States for like a, a prominent many years of my life as a kid. And then we went to the Philippines as missionaries, but we weren't missionaries to the Filipinos. We were missionaries technically to the Indonesians. So it's like this weird, Right. <laughs> like I, have to, I have to like make all those steps for them to understand. Otherwise they'll just ask questions um, all the time about like, okay, so what happened here and what happened there? So I just say, that's how I introduce myself as an MK, but that's my MK life.
1: That's but. such a complex part of your experience to have to like explain all of that. And I've always wondered like, what was it like, you know, being a Filipino American and then going back and living in the Philippines where your dad grew up and your dad also made that decision in his 40s and you're now kind of knocking on the door of your forties? Mm-hmm. Um like what what have you been thinking about about that decision and about what it was like being a Filipino American in the Philippines? I don't know what's what's been coming oh, up for you.
2: Oh man, that's uh that's those are all really great questions. Um so this will take some time to answer, I think. Being a being an MK out in the Philippines as a Filipino uh, who only really understood a faint amount of Tagalog, um, which in the southern Philippines really doesn't mean much anyway, because they speak Visaya out there. Um, so I would just hang out with all the 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 like the American missionaries essentially, um, and. For me, it was it was a lot of fun. and It was great, and I made a lot of friends. But there was there was a little bit of like that you could you could tell sometimes uh, with people maybe at the mall who would who would see me, and uh, you know they would they would have that same reaction you did, Caleb. Like, what's this guy all about? You know, he he looks like us, um, and he looks exactly like us. But he's hanging out with these Americans, and he's speaking perfect English but he doesn't know any any tagalog or or any of the local languages at all and uh, it i wouldn't say that i felt like ashamed of that but i will say that i i look back and wish that i knew at least tagalog that i made the effort to learn the national language of the philippines at least cuz you know it is it's a part of my heri- heritage and i want to embrace that and it was it was something that i i look back on and think yeah i probably should have i should have done that you know, my my parents never they didn't make it a, a priority for us to to learn Tagalog. It wasn't you know it wasn't something that they saw as very important, or maybe they just didn't have the time to do it. So, I would say that was 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 something that I I wish it's it's a slight regret I guess I have, but look coming now into my forties and and looking back as as now as a father and a husband and having that that, those responsibilities now as as a man leading um, the family in the in this way yeah i i have a lot of respect for my dad for what he did and even even in high school or and my early 20s yeah i look back and think oh my gosh i wonder what life would have been like if we we stayed in the states and continued life there and, and you, you you can speculate all you want but you just never know but i do know that mom and dad making that decision to bring us out to the philippines and being fully immersed in in a christian community really shaped it shaped me um in the in my spiritual life um, in a very very significant way that I, I i really don't know if i would have been shaped if I stayed in the States um, and continued to live our lives and here in, in the States. Um, so I have a lot, of, I have a lot of respect for, for my dad. And I, I am really, really grateful and and thankful for, for him and my, and my mom for, for kind of making that sacrifice because they could have stayed in the States and they could have, you know, continued to work here and have a good house. And, you know, we, we lived in the house, we had a pool in the, in the Bay area of, of California. So, you know, you think about now, and we if we had that house 25, 30 years later, um, yeah. it would have been, you know, I look yeah. I actually do look back on that. I'm like, oh man, they should have kept the house. <laughs> but yeah, um yeah. you know, but you know, what's a what's a house compared to, you yeah. know, adventures in the Philippines and having lifelong friends that, you know, really walk with you through through life, um, in a you know, through a lens of of the Bible and and all that stuff so Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's crazy and i i look i look now as a also as a four-year-old and i ask myself like would i would i do that (laughs) would i ever go out to the field or go back to the philippines i guess as a missionary and and bring my my family with me um a part of me says definitely not because while it was all fun and games and just super fun as an mk it's a lot harder to be an adult and raise a family and and everything that kind of comes with that uh and being a missionary out in in overseas in a in a third world country and uh yeah it's just not something that has really been like a calling of mine like i haven't like god hasn't hasn't really called me to do that so i i just don't i don't push that so what
0: about for your children You've had such a positive experience yeah, on the field, having those adventures. Mm-hmm. Would that be something that you would like for your children or child?
2: Yeah, uh, we have three kids. Okay. We um, we do talk about that. We we talk about short at least doing short term missions. Um, we actually are we actually are going to go on one later this year. Um, it'll be the first one. Um, and yeah, that's something that that my wife and I really want to give our kids is the experience and the perspective of what life is like in a completely different part of the world and I was just talking to someone about this I was saying to them that I really look forward to putting my kids in just really uncomfortable situations (laughs) like yeah you can't when you go to these places you they don't know your language and they don't eat the food that you eat and they don't you know, even just like the things, like the way they even like walk maybe might be different than what you do or, or gestures and stuff like that. So how is it going to be for you not like doing this for the first time? And I want them to kind of broaden their, their perspective on life, you know, that instead of, you know, we live, we live a pretty great cush life here. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're really thankful for it. Um, And so to challenge our kids in in that way would be pretty great, but also do it in in a really fun way. So, you know, we're going with we're going with really good friends from church to go. And so there'll be some familiarity there. Uh, But I think, you know, working with with other children. So we're going to an orphanage um, down in South America. And and it's primarily kids that um, have a lot of physical or mental disabilities. So it's not only just the context of a different culture and a different country and a different part of the world, but also what is it like to reach out to these, these kids who, you know, they look, they look forward to seeing people from outside of their, their normal context and who would just come to just just spend time with them. Like, how fun is it for them? So it'll be, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. But that was a good question, Keman.
1: Yeah. I'm wondering what coming back to the US was like after high school, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you, um, y- you guys were living in uh, uh, California, uh, second generation, you know, uh, your mm-hmm. parents uh, came from the Philippines, you went back to the Philippines, and then you kind of came back a different person. What was it like? Was there any culture shock at all? Or what was what was reentry like for you? Yeah.
2: Are you talking about after I graduated high school? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let me uh, let me rewind just a little bit, sure, because I think that will help understand a little bit of my transition in the going into college in, in the states. So, um, to answer your question, way back, way back a little bit, Caleb, about what was it like transitioning from Davao to Manila, um, uh, I didn't I didn't go into the dorms. I I lived with my aunt, um, and so we had a lot of family. There's a lot of Malibuyos in, in Manila. I found out, so I stayed with my aunt and while wow, that was awesome and and great, and probably the most I ever like spent long term immersed in like a Filipino culture. um it it didn't do a lot for me to like reestablish friendships with people in Davao or to make yeah. new friends um at at Faith Manila. And it was like that junior year was very, very tough for me because I was I, I would just dwell on my life in Davao and how awesome it was. But I I did feel like it was important for me to be in Manila because I I wanted to be kept accountable essentially for my education and go to classes and have homework and have people who can make sure I'm staying on track mm-hmm. and so like that junior year I, I didn't make very many friends um, or any or any really any significant connections with with anyone I would say um, and that and that was really really difficult. I, I would say I was pretty depressed for quite mm-hmm. some time, but you know I got I got through it. Um, by the tail end of, of junior year, I was starting to be a little bit more established and was was feeling more comfortable about being around other students. Um, and then my senior year, like I, I started getting a little bit more more established with friendships and stuff but i will say that you know joining the wrestling team
0: was Mm -hmm. really good
2: for me um oh yeah and caleb you were a part of the wrestling team that yeah yeah
1: junior year yeah Yeah. i do
2: remember that so yeah yeah, you're a you're a hot shot on the mat that's right
1: i think i was the captain (laughs) of the wrestling team that junior year and then uh, and then I injured myself at Far East, and then yeah. I didn't wrestle senior year. but we did we did a couple of plays together, right? And that was another, you know, it if you're an off-campus kid, um, you know, the trade-off that you, that you make <laughs> is you get to be with family and you get to have a house, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And those things, but you know, dorm kid, the trade-off, you you never see your parents, um, right. but you are around a lot and you kind of, uh, it's still like socially, it's really hard in the dorm. It can be really, really hard hmm. to, to break in because there's, there's a lot of hazing and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. Um, But it is a lot easier to make friends when you're stuck in a stinky dorm with everybody.
2: Right. And I had like, I had some major, I guess you could say I had major FOMO. Yeah. I just, I just really felt like everyone had inside jokes for everything. And I just didn't know how to interact. And, and I think a lot of that was just me inside my own head. Right. Yeah. I, you know, in high school, there's whole, there's all sorts of things that the high schoolers go through and, and one of them is, is identity, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to figure out who you are. And I, I think I really wanted to be someone that uh, I wanted to be someone that I wasn't. And I, it was more like that grass is, is always greener on the other side concept, right? Like I saw these mm-hmm. kids in the dorm and they seemed like they were always having fun and they would hang out all the time and all the stuff. And then, you know, here there's me that was pretty lowly and didn't, didn't interact with them i would go i would go to school and then go home or go to the wrestling practice and like i said but the wrestling was was probably my saving grace where where i started to really connect with people and in, in my junior year um that kind of established it kept me kept me grounded i would say which was really good um but I, yeah junior year was just really tough mm-hmm. and then senior year was 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 much better um i started making some good friendships and some lasting friendships that I even have now today. Um so I really thank I really am thankful for that. Um but to going from senior year to to college I uh I went to Biola for freshman and sophomore year and I remember like my leading up to the first day of freshman year at Biola I I told myself like this is a clean slate. You will be <laughs> you will be a social person. Like you just need to get out of your comfort zone and just start talking to people. Um, cause I, I really was just like a heavy introvert, um, during those days and just talking to strangers and making small talk conversation just terrified me. But I reminded myself, everyone's like that here at freshman year, like no one knows anybody. So like, you're going to be just, everyone's just going to be just like you. And So I started doing that. Like I would go to the cafeteria and sit next to some random person and talk to them, and you know, eventually you start getting more and more friendships. And and uh, yeah, that was that was kind of the that was the foundation that I was really really working from as far as going going to Biola and going back to the states and doing that transition. the uh, The other thing that really that that helped my transition in the states was the the mk group there was the mukapa group that was at biola and i i kind of fell right into that um and embraced that fully and so i got to meet a lot of other mks from all sorts of different countries with all sorts of mission organizations and uh you know they it's it's not for everyone But it definitely (laughs) was for me. What's not for everybody? I mean, like I it's funny because I look back on those days too. And like we would go on like walks, you know, around Bilo Campus, but we were like we were MKs, right? We were we 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 were well cultured people that saw the world and we we live like (laughs) we want and so we're gonna we're gonna walk around with no shoes all over the place and we're gonna climb trees. If we see a cool tree that we want to climb, we're gonna climb it. No, no, we're not gonna not going to ask any questions no one no one has any authority over us cuz we're we're cool mks kind of thing and and uh it's funny to look back on now cuz i remember mm-hmm. thinking like man walking on walking on black asphalt in the the dead of summer barefoot is is not a pleasant experience i don't i don't care how tough your feet are that is a that is a painful experience and uh yeah i remember just after that having a lot of burned feet and just like just a sore feet and yeah, yeah I was just it's just funny because like yeah it's 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 a it's it was a really good time but you know it's some maybe we took some
1: of the MK pride a little too far. Um no you didn't not at all no no I almost lost a toe in Michigan because I would wear flip flops and shorts and it'd be 14 <laughs> degrees out you know and it'd be running to class and flip flops and shorts just because I'm an
0: MK. Yeah right Right, and you guys. Yeah, man. you Isn't I'm going weird? to redefine. I'm going to redefine the word foolish. <laughs> MK's in their twenties. Oh man, no, what was that was... about
1: though? Like, what, like, why, you know, like, let's pause on that for just a second, like, because I totally relate to that, but like, what is that about?
2: Well, I think it's uh, it's it's the. I think it's part of just who we are as humans. We, we are beings that want to be known, right? We, we want people to know who we are. And if we can find people who we have a lot of common ground with, we're going to embrace, we're going to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know. With, with At least in my context, having a, a bunch of MKs around me and co- in college um, was, was something that I really needed
1: Mm-hmm. because it
2: it made it, it it was a place where you can just go in immediately and people understood who you were right Yeah um Yeah we,
1: if I could ask you that question like what is it that you wanted people to know about you know Lem 2001 you know like like what is it that you wanted people to know about you
2: Oh wow Oh man you're asking me to think about who who I wanted to be when I was or people yeah oh, that's a that's a tough question I mean, I just going, I just continuing on with the thought. I think people, I just want people to know, know where I came from, really. And because it was a unique experience being a missionary kid. And that really defined a lot about who I was and who I was, who I wanted to be going, um, at, going into adulthood, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like even leading up to, to Biola, like I was asking myself, you know, what, what do I want to major in? Right. Like the, the age old question, every high schooler goes through as they, as they enter junior years, what do I want to do for the rest of my life? You know, (laughs) which is a funny question to ask a 17 year old um, and put pressure on them that they have to make that decision right there as a, as a 17 or 18 year old.
1: But I mean, they're already signing a piece of paper (laughs) saying they're going to pay like a hundred thousand dollars back, you know, they're like 17. And, uh, yeah, we, but I digress. I would say yeah. that
2: um, I, my MK years and the way my my father decided to become a missionary later in life, you know, he he gave up, you know, being an engineer in the states uh, to be to work IT for Bible translators in the southern Philippines, right? Like that's a, you know, for for you know, the I guess you know quote unquote secular viewpoints like that's a why would you do that (laughs) that's a that's career suicide um and i i really admired that because you know for for me and understanding who god is and who jesus is in my life you know that he 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 gave up he gave up that american life to help a cause where people would would get to know who jesus is and so going into college, that was something that really framed how my decisions of what I wanted to do. So I, I wanted to, so I went into computer science at Biola and cause I was like, well, my dad did this for missions work. Like, and I, I like computers. So I think maybe this is something I can do. Um, and it, it turned out that I'm really, I'm, I'm terrible at math. And so computer science was just like a, was a complete, it was actually a complete mistake on my part to to go into computer science. Um, to the point where I I failed a couple of classes at Biola my freshman year, and then like went on like academic probation and all this all this stuff. And I, I had to I had to shift my sophomore year. But I would say that like that like my decisions of what I wanted to do as a career like went through that filter of how can I take this into the mission field one day? So Going back to your question about like what did I want people to know about me, that was kind of what I want people to know about me. Like, I wanted them to know that I came from the mission field, um, and that I want to do something with my life that would like impact ministry work. Is is probably the two things that I want people to know about me.
0: How, yeah, do you, you. yeah, how do you both define cool? Cool.
1: You know, when you said, you know, walking around and kind of like, I don't really care what anybody thinks of me. I'm just going to be my own person. Um, I think that we have this outsider feel, especially, especially some of the, I would, you know, I hate to brag that, oh, I'm a Davao kid. So I'm going to brag about Davao kids. I I feel like there is that (laughs) outsider um, mm. uh, I don't know. Like we want to be weird and different, but sure. uh, and not—I don't know—and not care. Um, yeah. is that As, cool? I don't know. Let me know if you. Yeah. different.
2: Well, I, I'm, I'm tracking with you, Caleb, and, and yeah. Kim, because, like, yeah, like, if you're a, if Faith Manila, you can say, oh yeah, dude, I was, I, I went to Faith Davao, and we were like, I was one of the Jungle Boys or whatever, yeah. you know, or if you come back. You know to Davao to visit family you know like oh yeah I go to I go to Manila and go to Faith Academy there and you know we have a great time and I'm part of the wrestling team and yeah I, that's actually a good point like you always you always kind of point to the thing about yourself that no one else is oh and yeah. just changing your con- you know whenever you have a changing context you change your identity or you you emphasize a part of your identity mm-hmm. that is different than the context that you're in that's a, that's actually really fascinating mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. that is maybe that is what's what's cool, right? Like oh yeah, <laughs> because that's that's that is something that's unique about you in the group setting or the or the interaction that you're having right then with that person, mm-hmm. right? Is a uh,
0: Do you think you're cool? Lam? Um
2: no. do I think I'm cool? Uh I, I wouldn't I probably wouldn't phrase it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm really thankful that my kids think I'm cool.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh,
0: your kids think you're cool. <laughs>
1: I, have a, I have a question about your kids. I have a question about your kids in sure. this up, upcoming, um, you know, mission trip overseas. Sure. Um, and I'm just fascinated this with this idea uh, because you went to the mission field at a much older age than I did. And mm-hmm. so you were this kid from California, you went overseas and then all you had this experience and you came back and like it it kind of defined you as a person to the point where you're walking around college and kind of like putting it out there. Like, this is my identity. Now, what is it about your experience? What is it about that? Like connection that you had overseas that you want to now impart to your kids?
0: Hmm.
2: Dang, man, you guys are good at this. Um, I'll say so one of the things I I do want to avoid is forcing my my experiences um like I don't want I don't want my life I don't want my kids life to mirror my life exactly if that makes sense right so yeah I I I went into the mission field and I was a missionary kid for 5 years but that doesn't necessarily mean that I want that for my kids what I do want for them is to understand um, what mission work is and the difficulty like how difficult it can be to be a missionary um, and why it's important, I guess you could say, because like we could take them on we can take them on overseas trips and we can go to I don't know, we can go to to Paris or something. We could take them to different places that are very are very well developed and those they'll, they'll get those exact same points right they'll get a, a context of someone not like a place where you don't they don't speak any english and they eat different foods all that stuff happens in different countries that are very well developed so why is why do i want to do it in a third world country and i think it's it's the it's the context of missions really um that i, I really do believe that that that's an important part of at least the christian faith um, and it's been a very prominent part of of my life, even even as an adult. Like I've, I'm that's <laughs> that ministry work is is um, something I've done as a career, um, and we can go into that a little bit. But um, I just want to say that you know, for my kids, what I want them to understand is that you know, us as followers of Christ um, really uh, commanded us really to to let people know who He is that don't know who he is. So if we can be a part of that and we can we can do that even in our local context and our local communities, but if we can do that overseas and they can understand what that like the sacrifices that people make um in order to make those to make that command fulfilled in different parts of the country or different parts of the world, then I want them to know about that. So yeah I don't know you that's think, kind of a weird answer. But
0: uh, yeah no, no that's it, a great answer. It, it comes back full it's circle. perfect. Yeah. 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 Do you think you would allow your children to listen to our podcast once they reach a certain age?
2: Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean like it's, it's, you know, being, I don't know. There's a lot there, obviously like I'm, I'm really, I'm really painting like this very colorful, vibrant picture of what it was like to be an MK. Um, It, it had its hardships and there was some things, you know, like that. I look back on and be like, Oh yeah, you know what? My, I do feel like my parents dropped the ball on, on that aspect of, of life Mm -hmm. growing up. Um, not even just as a missionary kid, but just as a, as a kid. Um, and so, you know, for my own kids, like those are things that I want to adjust as, you know, me being, being a parent now, it's like, okay, so where are some things that I wish my my mom and dad did (laughs) Mm -hmm. and how can I, how can I implement that as a, as a parent to my own kids kind of thing. Right. And, you know, we're always, you know, we're always trying to, um, give our kids, um, a better, a better life than our own. Right. And my parents mm-hmm. definitely did that. Um, I would say like we have, we have had a great childhood and amazing, and we have great lives. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that was God using our parents to raise us. And so like, how can I do that as well? Um, but also be real and, and acknowledge the reality that our, my, our parents are not perfect and they weren't perfect back then mm-hmm. either. So, um, how can we take that and, and use it to our advantage and so yeah your question human like would i let my kids listen to this this podcast in this episode yeah i will no, not just it. this we're,
0: episode we're, but we're, the other oh. episodes yeah or oh, the other ones
1: yeah <laughs> yeah we're we're um test marketing we're actually sure. just doing yeah. product sure. research right. Right i mean right. my no. my
2: kids are are seven years old and five years old and yeah, 10 yeah. months and 10 months and so you know, I probably would wait till they're in their teenage years before letting them know that this thing existed, um, because like, there's some really heavy things. In, in there's some podcasts. really, yeah. This um, is, for, yeah. This, there's a lot of. That's, yeah, that's where I'm going I,
0: towards. I I asked specifically when your children reach a certain age, would you allow yeah. them, or would you make this podcast known to them?
2: Yeah, and the, I, I love the question, human, because, um, you know, for my wife and I, we we talk a lot about like issues that, you know, like hot topic issues of today in, in the United States. And, you know, like there's some, there are some really you know, like polarizing views on some of these issues and, you know, how can we, how can we talk to our kids about these issues? Um, and when should we talk to our kids about these issues um, and have it be an age appropriate conversation? And so, mm-hmm. and we do that, you know, we, we do that a lot and, you know, when it gets to a point where you know they can handle some of the the conversations that you guys had with other interviewees, like uh, I I probably I mean I would talk to my wife about it, but I think you know it's it's eye opening. I think a lot of what your your other interviewees have talked about was really eye opening um, for me, especially because. Cause yeah, I have such fond memories of my time in the in my in the missionary yeah. field. Yeah, <laughs> well, I like- do
1: too. I think I think a lot of us do. I think what you know, one thing that stuck with me that you mentioned earlier is, <clears throat> you you wouldn't take your kids to Paris. You would take them, you know, to a, a developing country, and and that's and I think you know, I venture to guess, um, that's because the things that we saw growing up, the three of us saw growing up, did did shape us. It, it did make us see the world a different, like a different place. And and I'm wondering for you, Lem, you know, you landed in the Philippines at a much older age. Do you have a specific memory from like that, the first week or first day Mm. that just kind of made you think, Whoa, this is very different than the Bay area.
2: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. I have, I have the exact answer for you. So it was, it was in the Manila airport. And, uh, you guys all know this feeling well, when you walk when you when you darken the doors out to from going inside the airport to outside the airport and you're going from like dry air conditioning or air con uh environment and then you walk out the doors open up and you walk out into Mm -hmm. the hot afternoon of of the philippines and it's like 90 percent humidity and 85 degrees temp and it just like rushes at you just like it's just like someone like it's just like a giant person just like blew hot breath on you um as you walked out um that was a i remember walking with my younger brother um like as we just approached those doors and the the doors opened and we just like both looked at each other with our our mouths dropped and just like oh my what does (laughs) what in the world and uh and then, of and then and then everything, all the other senses start kicking in, right? Like you start hearing the traffic noises and like the 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 porters who are trying to trying to get your bags because they want, you know, they they want to have you pay them to carry your bags for them, and like you know, mom, and dad, are like no, hold on to your bags, don't let them take it, kind of thing. And um and then just like yeah, it's just like all these like just the sight of like just so many people, um and so many sounds, and then like just this hot, humid air and the smoggy smells um yeah that was i mean that i can see that vividly in my head as i talk about it um yeah that was a that was a a very uh impressive impressive moment in my life going yeah in, in that that time so i will say that also the other memory that i look i i really i think is really telling of why this was important for our family is that me and my brothers were we weren't I wouldn't say we were close in the states before becoming missionaries and so when we traveled to the philippines as missionary kids and then we got finally got to davao um there was a there was a period of time where really like it was just it was just us like we the only people we knew was us as a family and so we really like we were forced we were forced to become friends um and that was that was the beginning of i I like to say that it was the beginning of us um just really having a rich relationship with with all of our siblings um and I mean, that could just also be because we just started to mature too. I'm sure that was a big part of it. you know, I was twelve at that point my my younger brother was eleven like he was ten. So we we fought a lot as like little sibling rivalries when we were like in elementary school. But I think as we started getting older, we also started realizing like, oh, like I actually kind of like this person. <laughs> like he has the same interests as me. He has the same humor as me. Um, and so yeah, those those times when we were just on our own uh was was just a really rich time for us to get to know yeah. each other. So
1: yeah, I can't, I mean, I think most MK siblings are just really close. I mean, I'm very close with my siblings and it's because you've been through so much together. And I think, you know, I, I've really appreciated, um, this, this episode, thank you for letting us record it. Um, that balance of like, like I fully admit, there are a lot of experiences that, that, that I had over, over in the Philippines and overseas and, that I treasure that shaped me to be who I am. But there's something that you said earlier that was really important, which was that your like your dad, your parents, your family sacrificed a lot. Right. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Mine did too. I think all of our families sacrificed mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. And so because of that, I think I I'm talking about my experience. Um, growing up, there were a lot of things that uh, I didn't talk about or complain about or say like, well, that's really weird or that's awful. You know, <laughs> or like, I don't agree with how my parents are doing that. Um, but you just press that down because it's like, well, but we're here for the ministry, mm, you know, yeah. we're here. And so that's where like, well, look at what my parents are sacrificing. You know, if my parents can sacrifice mm. that, then I can sacrifice it. And, 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 and so I think we just kind of didn't talk about a lot of stuff you know Yeah, we kind of put a a rosy um, finish on some things because the sacrifice has to be worth it so we don't talk about the the negative parts and and i think it's important let's just talk about it all you know like the good and the bad let's lay it out on the table yeah and you know sacrifices were made but that doesn't mean that we don't have to process some of the like crappy stuff you know yeah and
2: that's a i mean i i remember you telling talking about that, um, in your own personal, in your own experiences and Mm -hmm. thinking like, oh man, what that is so much pressure for a kid to feel right. Like I I'm struggling here, but I really don't want to be the one that screws up the ministry or screws up my parents, you know, calling or whatever, you know, like who am I to, to, Mm -hmm. to, to pit myself against God essentially is what's happening. Right. And like for a young kid to, to have those feelings, Man, that's that's like I just think I just remember thinking like, oh man, my heart goes out to you. And I'm like, oh man, if I only knew kind of thing, like <laughs> Caleb, Cuba, if I only knew like some of the things that you were going through. Um, but you know, we're also middle school kids, so like how yeah, do, do you really get what you? a
0: what a wonderful yeah. way to yeah. round up the episode. The yeah. good and the bad, the ugly and the beautiful. Right. Life's well, complicated, folks, but we love it because that's how life is. And <laughs> Lem's out here sharing the sunny sign. But... Yeah. So yeah, you know I what? Know. He, here's here's, like here's my thing. Yeah. Everyone, if you want to come on, all of you are welcome. Lem had anxiety. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, maybe I'm going to be sharing some fluff. And, you know. <laughs> Dude, it was oh. all fluff. But no, this, it this wasn't. Was, this is was wonderful. <laughs> this is <was laughs> all, all great. I, oh. I want to
1: ask you one last question, though, You're which is if you could talk, to yourself junior year, you know, that junior mm-hmm. year kid, Yeah. like what would you tell junior year limb who is just feeling so lonely and isolated? Did I make the right choice? Should I be here? Should I not? What would you say to him? Mm. Yeah, I would.
2: Yeah, i I was thinking about that question because I know you asked that in previous episodes and I was thinking, you know, I would just, I would tell him that, Hey, you, you're what you're going through everyone else is going through it too um and if you can if you can overcome those fears um reach out to others you know and and talk to them uh and if you can have that connection um and help them walk through some of the things that they're having troubles with they could probably help you go through some of the troubles you're going through but i guess this i guess the the overall thing i would say is don't don't be so afraid I think, because I think I was Ooh. just very afraid yeah. of how people uh. would would view me, um, and so I was very, I was over, I was like an over perfectionist about how mm. I wanted to be, to be seen, and that meant that I I sh- I lent more on the don't say anything so you don't screw up your image, mm. and that kind of yeah that that really made it so that I had a huge wall that I didn't realize I was doing. Um, but in reality, I was just longing for for relationship and friendship, and so
0: yeah. don't be all... so afraid.
1: Yeah, Lim, I could talk about that for a long time, but Q, <laughs> it's time. It's time. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And sorry, and Caleb's our a
0: technician. Lot. He's he's got everything under control. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. All right. Well, we don't do like previews. We we didn't do previews like uh, for season one, but. We have all our guests lined up for season two. So here's Mm -hmm. what you're going to be expecting a week from now. (laughs) You'll be listening from another Adam. It's not Adam C, the one we've had previous, Mm -hmm. but it's an Adam J. He was in the same class with Tim. Mm -hmm. That's also going to be a fascinating listen. So we're going to encourage you all to join back with us in a week. All right. Let's have the music gone. Yep. Our outro. Yep. And on the count of three, gentlemen. One, two, three. Go, Go vanguards. vanguards. Go, vanguards.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys.